Houston Dynamo, Portland Timbers, Sporting Kansas, Los Angeles Galaxy, Beach Pass, Toronto FC, Salt Lake, Chicago Fire, Columbus Crew, FC Dallas, York Red Bulls, Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. Hey there, how are you? I always want to say it's a big week in MLS, but it always feels like it's a big week in MLS. A lot going on with this league. So much fun to follow. And thank you so much for downloading this episode of Pitch Pass. PitchPass.com for all of your needs on the show. And please tell a couple of friends about Pitch Pass so that they can get in on the goodness that is this show that is focused on MLS. We'll talk to the coach of D.C. United, the Eastern Conference leading D.C. United. Ben Olsen will join us a little bit later on. But first, I love talking to this guy. He covers Toronto FC for the Toronto Sun. And I don't know if you've been following this season or not. TFC, the soap opera that they usually are. Some good, some bad. Twists and turns. Never a dull moment in T-Dot. So we need to talk to Kurt Larson. It's time to check in. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you uh, again for hanging with us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back. There are uh, just a couple of things going on in TFC world. Uh, T-Dot kind of blowing up with, with some stuff. I'm not sure whether we go back to current or current to back. I'm thinking we go just like the latest stuff and then work our way back. So, first of all, has anything broken in the world of TFC today? <laughs> not today. I know it's unusual, but uh, you never know. You know, I always have something I'm working on, so maybe in the coming weeks we'll see something. Now, I know you weren't at the Jermaine Defoe breast presser uh, that happened this week, but I'm sure uh, your colleagues at The Sun were there. So uh, fill us in on, on basically the gist of, of what Jermaine had to say uh, in his return to uh, North America. Well, I mean, Jermaine said all the right things like you'd expect him to. I mean, he's been through this before. He's been... Uh, you know, in a professional soccer player since he was 14 or 15 years old, and he's, he's been in England, uh, you know, in the England under the England media scrutiny for a long time. So he knows how to dance around uh, a subject and say all the right things. Um, you know, he said he was committed to the team, which wasn't a surprise. I don't think he is. I think he's, uh, you know, maybe committed for the rest of this year, but I think, um, you know, come January, um, I, I would be very shocked if we see him in a TSC uniform. Um, um, next season. Although he says he's committed for right now, and uh, I guess we got to take his word for that. Yeah, and you bring up a great point, and one that I didn't think about. I, I actually thought that he'd stay in England the entire for the rest of the season, uh, and then come up with some reason. But you're right. What he's dealing with here, with the scrutiny that he's under now, is probably nothing compared to what he dealt with on a day-to-day basis over there. So he's probably well-versed and probably not going to make any slips as to what he's, he's thinking. But uh, he, I kind of agree with you. It'll be a surprise if he's with uh, Toronto next season. What does that say, though, about Toronto and either uh, Jermaine Defoe that this barely lasted a season if you if you factor in all the injuries and his time away? Well, I mean, I think it says two things. I think it says, one, that Toronto FC, you know, made a big splash and maybe didn't properly vet the player they were going after, didn't, didn't properly look into his past, because Jermaine has a past and a history of doing things like that. There were some um, you know, similar antics when he tried to go from Portsmouth back to Tottenham. There were a lot of accusations that, um, you know, he was leaving there in a way that um, wasn't pleasing FA rules. I believe he fired his agent and, and whatnot shortly before trying to make the move. You know, and it also has been about Jermaine that, um, you know, he's not going to follow through with the contract most likely and, um, you know, made a mistake and came over here and didn't fulfill promises he might have made at the start of the season. 
uh, obviously he has regrets about coming over here, but could the biggest regret be that if he had just stayed where he was for the six months leading up to World Cup, that he probably most likely would have been on that England roster? And coming here and and playing for Toronto kind of sabotage that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, right, because we don't really know a lot of the conversations that go on behind the scenes with these things. I mean, for all we know, you know, Hodgson could have told him that if he comes over here and gets playing time and scores goals, then he'd be included in the squad. You know, or if he would have stayed there, would he have risked, uh, you know, would he have risked not really seeing that much action for Tottenham and then possibly sabotaging himself in that way? So I think it's hard to say. You know, he was included in that uh, provisional 30. I think if there were a few energy, uh, you know, injuries, he would have gone. Um, you know, Jermaine thought he had a good chance of going. He was he was a bit surprised, I think, when um, when he wasn't called into the the full team. So. Um, you know, I think it was damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. There were two ways to look at that, and, um, you know, uh, he might not have gone either way. How quick do we need to turn around and replace him? And which we'll get into our next thing about the the front office or lack thereof right now uh, at TFC. You know, I, you know I'm, not, I'm not a guy who's going to stand up and support MLSC, you know, ever, along the way every time. But I think, you know, they've kind of taken the beaten when they shouldn't have, you know, anything that happens with the foe, if they sell him, they're going to reinvest that money right back into the team. They already have a list of designated players. I think they're going to go after in the off season. I haven't been given any specific names, so I, I'm not really sure, you know, who to speak of in that terms, but you know, this club is going to always go after big names and always going to go make a splash. So, you know, when Defoe leaves, if Defoe leaves in the off season, I think you can uh, uh, count on it. Um, you know, uh, maybe an attacking mid-DP coming in or somebody to fill that void. This club wants to be a big club at MLS, so I think they're going to try and stay that way. Okay, so if they turn around, sell Defoe in January for a profit, no matter what the profit is, is it considered good business at that point? Well, from a from a, from a uh, you know a strictly a number standpoint, yes. I think you know the offer that came in from QPR was eleven million. So you know if you pay ten million for a player and you get eleven million back for him, that's a profit of a million dollars. Yeah, but you know what you know what I'm saying though, Kurt. When I say good business, it's okay. You you asked all of our fans to get into this bloody big deal thing. Uh, the the guy, one of the two linchpins of the bloody big deal decided after a few months, I don't even want to be a part of this bloody big deal. So even if you do sell him for a profit, you do make money. Uh, don't we need to take something away from that, from a fan point of view, from a front office point of view? Sure, but I'm not. I mean, that's that's the thing is that I look, you know, I look at things not from the angle of a fan, but from the angle of somebody who's kind of behind the scenes working the channels. Yeah, you know what? You know, bringing in a player and kind of, you know, hanging the season on his shoulders, it's going to look bad in the in the in the, uh, in the public forum, and it's going to look bad to fans. But I also think that once TFC brings in the player to replace Defoe, I think all that's going to change and people are going to fall in love with that player as well. I will ask you, I know you really can't speculate right now, but does MLSE learn any lessons from this? And I I think you brought up a great point about uh, vetting of of who we're bringing in. Is it still going to just be about, all right, we need a name as big as Jermaine Defoe to replace Jermaine Defoe, or is it going to be, we need a guy who wants to be here and is going to sign a deal and, and is going to want to honor it through the life of the contract? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit unclear, right? Because with Tim Lewicki about to step down, it's unclear if he's going to be involved in that process of bringing in a DP to potentially replace the foe. If he is, we all know Tim Lewicki, he's going to want out and go out and get a guy who's going to sell jerseys. He's going to want to go out and get a guy who's going to, um, you know, be marketable and be on all the billboards around Toronto. You know, that said, Tim Mezuchenko is going to be in charge next year. And um, he's more of a calculated type of guy. You know, will he go out and find a guy like a, like a Diego Valeri? Will he go out and find a guy like Pedro Morales? One of those guys who 
you can build around for a long time and also who's going to bring you uh, wins and while staying relatively healthy. This is a tough topic for me as I sit here in Washington, D.C. looking for a stadium. Uh, BMO Field announcement this week, they are, uh, they're renovating their, their stadium, which in my eyes is still a brand new glistening stadium, and they're, uh, they're going even a little further with it. I know I've seen you on Twitter. You're a big proponent of the renovations. Uh, explain to me and to people listening why that is. I'm a proponent of the renovations. Um, under one condition, and that's that MLSC fulfills its promise to fans to keep the venue a soccer-first venue um, all the time. Uh, you know, the reason this is going to happen, I think, is eventually you're going to see the CFL come in and share the venue with Toronto FC and the city. But MLSC, Tim Lewicki, has promised TFC support supporters that you're not going to see a football lines on the field. You're not going to see, you know, any remnants of the Toronto Argonauts playing there. So first and foremost, he has to do that, and they have to keep it a soccer-first venue. You know, BMO Field is a little bit like Columbus Crew Stadium right now. It's falling apart. Um, it's down by the lake, so the wind and the rainy conditions are kind of uh, eating away at certain areas. Um, it's a renovation that needs to happen. And listen, you can't have the kind of roster TFC has with Michael Bradley, Jermaine Defoe's, and future DPs and play in a stadium that's uh, more or less built out of Legos. I knew this conversation would be hard for me, Kurt, and to, to hear you say that a stadium built in the mid-2000s is falling apart as I uh, come back from a stadium built in the 60s makes me feel a little bit, uh, it's a little bit uh, prickly for me. I, I, it makes me feel a little bit sad. Yeah, but I mean, also, you know, you can't, you got to remember that they, they had to throw the stadium up in a, in a hurry. I mean, I think they True. had nine months, I think they had nine months to build the stadium when Toronto was awarded a franchise. So it was built on the cheap. It was built for something like $60 million. They got it up as fast as they could. It's, 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 it's served its purpose, I think. I think the club is growing out of it. And I think if they want to attract future players and, and be the kind of club, big club they want to be, they got to expand and they got to renovate and they got to bring in the luxury suites. I know you don't know the answer to this, but if I'm a fan, I'm sitting here and I'm asking, either the front office or a guy in the know, which would be you, why do I believe anything that Tim Lewicki, who was on his way out the door, or anything else that the front office, who has kind of sold me a bill of sale year after year after year, why do I believe that we this this field will continue to be a, a soccer-first stadium? You know, that's a tough question to answer. I don't – I mean, you know, going back to the Lewicki point, though, I think Tim Lewicki has done everything he's promised yes. to do. Um, but you know that said, he also promised the playoffs, and we're still uh, we're still not at that goal yet. So let's see if we get there. Um, you know, it, you bring up a good point because really it's the city of Toronto that shares a role in this, and the city of Toronto wants to find a solution for the Toronto Argonauts, and they're going to find that solution at Emo Field, I think. You know, that said, uh, you know, there's a commitment from Tim Bezrushenko who 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 has told me that you know he has the assurance of the MLSE Board of Governors that this is going to be. Uh, you know, a soccer first venue all the time, and that this stadium is being built for TFC. I know they had regular meetings with the supporters groups, and and where the supporters groups voiced their opinion. So, um, at the moment, I have no reason not to believe them based on uh, just prior experiences I've had with the uh, with the new front office. Okay, so explain to me as an American who is not familiar with uh, Canadian culture, Canadian sports, uh, how big is the CFL in Toronto? A and B, how how does that compare to the popularity of TFC? Uh, I mean, the CFL in Toronto is is not as big as it once was. Listen, I mean, the Argos used to be, um, you know, extremely popular in Toronto when they used to play at their old stadium at the Exhibition, where BMO Field now stands. But since then, they've been playing in the Rogers Center at Cavanaugh's venue. And, uh, you know, uh, attendance has, has waned. Um, and there's certainly not, um, you know, 
anywhere close to being uh, the most popular sport in, in, in Toronto. That said, the CFL is pretty big out west in Saskatchewan and BC and those places. Um, so the league is rather healthy still. Um, but I mean, I, it's, it's something that, you know, I think Toronto FC down the road is going to keep growing. And I think the Argos are going to, uh, you know, kind of keep, you know, spiraling to their, to their death possibly. Their owner doesn't really want to sell the team right now. He, he thinks he can get more money for it than he can. Um, so they're kind of in limbo and a lot of their fans are, are losing interest pretty quick. So, yeah. And that kind of was the end game of my question is, uh, TFC is a definitive A and, and the Argonauts are definitive B as we stand today. As we stand today, yeah. That, I mean, they're also going to be playing the Pan Am Games at the email field. They're also going to be hosting World Cup qualifiers. And the city wants to make it a multi-purpose venue. Um, you know, there is there are concerns that, you know, what's that going to do to the field? Are they going to be able to keep the field in good shape? We've seen Toyota Park in Chicago looks terrible after playing football on it recently. Um, so, we'll, you know, it's going to be important that they keep that the way it is. They're also doing something else, which is they're bringing in a hybrid field. So we're going to see if that helps the field uh, hold up or under, uh, uh, you know, under multi-uses. Side note, Canadian national team, are, are they at the point where they could fill a 30,000-seat arena consistently? Uh, it depends on who they're playing, first of all. If they're playing Brazil, yeah, probably they can fill it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, during World Cup qualifying, for instance, you know, they had good crowds at Bevo Field, you know, around 16,000, 17,000. But uh, it's kind of strange in, in Canada that the women's team is actually far more popular than the men's team. Um, you know, far more. I think uh, the women's team also has twice the amount of money spent on it by the CSA. So um, they're also building this venue for the uh, for the women in future games. And um, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that they're not hosting a World Cup game in Toronto. So talk starting from from the coaching staff up to the front office. What are we looking at as far as a time frame where we're going to know exactly who is what moving forward and into 2015 for uh, for the for the club. Uh, there's been rumors that 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 Bob Bradley is is being kind of courted by MLSC. I think that's kind of put those to rest. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, uh, you know, I don't think uh, they've even approached him yet. Um, you know, I think Tim Bezuchenko and and Greg Vanny are the guys moving forward. Tim Bezuchenko is going to be here, I think, next year. And as long as he's here, Vanny's going to be in charge. So I think uh, you know, and we're always saying this when I talk to you. I, I swear I say it every time. But I think this is the uh, I think this is the group going forward. Um, you know, there's some things that you can't foresee. You know, for instance, Ryan Nelson getting into little squabbles with the GM. You know, that's just stuff that you don't really know unless you're behind uh, behind the scenes. So, um, I think Bezuchenko is is here for you know at least all of next year, and 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 Vanny's his guy. What's Michael Bradley's thoughts been on this situation as it's unfolded over the course of the summer? I mean, Michael Bradley's mentally tough. I think we all know that, um, and all American fans kind of know that. Uh, everything I hear is that he loves the city. He loves being here. He's and be the face of it for a long time. He hasn't had the season he's wanted wanted to have. I don't think. Um, I think he's desperate to get the team into the playoffs to to just prove to fans who who still are you know um, you know not not harping on him, but 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 kind of unsure if if TFC made the right move by bringing him in. I think he wants to prove all them wrong. I think he wants to show that he's the guy who's going to be here long-term and a guy who's going to get them in the playoffs consistently. So let's talk about the form uh, of the the TFC right now. Uh, As it sits now, they are outside of a playoff spot, which would have been kind of surprising if you had said that to to, uh, an MLS fan even six weeks ago. Uh, Portland coming to town this Saturday, BMO Field. If you, if your gut was talking to you right now, what would it say about the playoff chances for for Toronto? 
Yeah, I, I just listened to Tim Bezuchenko on, on on a local radio station here who said, you know, he thinks the team's in pretty good shape and, and going into this weekend. I actually think the opposite. I think if they don't win this game, I think they're probably pretty much out of it. They have to win. I think they have to win all of their all of their home games. They have you know, Portland, like you said, this weekend. They have Houston, and then they have uh, uh, Montreal uh, towards the end of the season. If they don't win all three of those, it's going to be extremely hard for them to get into the playoffs because uh, that means they're going to pick up some wins on the road. And they still have L.A., New York, and New England on the road. And it's just hard to see them getting a win at any of those places. So, um, you know, they got to get past Portland this weekend. They get a win there. Uh, I think they need to pick up at least maybe one more or two more points on the road to, to have a shot. Um, you know, the good news is everybody plays each other in this league in the Eastern Conference down the road. So I think CSC fans are hoping, you know, teams like Philly, Columbus, who play each other twice, are going to, you know, draw those games and CSC is going to be able to make up ground fast. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm going to ask you to be positive because if I'm if I'm thinking at it as, as a TFC fan, uh, my thought is, well, how why would I have reason for optimism seeing kind of everything that's been swirling around the club this last month or so. So what could I hang my hat on to say, you know what, if this happens, if these guys do this, we could go on a run and pick up some points and get into a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the only reason there is to be positive right now is because they finally do have Stephen Caldwell back. They finally do have Justin Morrow back. These guys were, were, were key to them early in the season, uh, you know, with that run of form that got them, you know, six points above the red line. So, you know, during those, uh, like you said, the last six weeks, where I think they went one less in, in five or six, um, they didn't have those guys. So they have them back now. You know, they had a pretty strong performance against Chivas. I think they're going to carry that momentum, momentum into Saturday's game. Um, you know, the Portland's tough. Portland brings something up front that maybe the Eastern Conference doesn't really have. You know, outside New York, I'm not sure TFC uh, regularly faces guys, uh, you know, teams that have, you know, Adi and Tara and Valeria and these guys. So it's going to be tough on them. But, uh, yeah, the guys that are returning, I think that's going to help them and it gives them a little bit of hope. We'll see, Dan. Uh, Kurt, because I think this is a situation where this club needs to be one of those perennial playoff teams, if not MLS Cup contenders. And I, I think it's important for the league if TOC is in that spot. And I'd like to see it happen as a fan of MLS. Just would like some, some consistency up there. If you, could, if you could put that together for us, we'd appreciate it, Kurt. Yeah, let's not forget how bad this club was a year or two ago. That's what people are forgetting is that this club was absolutely dreadful, you know, 18 months ago. I think now they actually have some pieces that are going to be here long term. Um, and fighting for a playoff spot is a hell of a lot better than they were, uh, you know, this time last year and the year before that. True. Kurt Larson, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you taking some time. No problem, man. We'll see you. Kurt Larson of the Toronto Sun, and it's it's true. I mean, look, you, you know what team I root for, but it's important if you are a fan of the league that Toronto, a marquee city in the world, a cosmopolitan city in the world, uh, puts its best foot forward just like they've done in Los Angeles, just like they're trying to do in New York. Uh, these big cities, they need to have marquee franchises, and they need to be centerpiece franchises for the league. Let's hope TFC takes its rightful place as a centerpiece. Hey, speaking of my favorite team, let's move on. No bigger turnaround in MLS this season than D.C. United. Now that they've secured a passage to the quarterfinals of CONCACAF Champions League, first place in the Eastern Conference right now, things are looking good. It's a good time to bring in Ben Olsen because I like to get him in a good mood. He joins us right now on the show. Coach, how are you, man? All good. All good here. Just got out from training and uh, trying to get ready for Philadelphia this weekend. We've been on a bit of a rock tour the last six, seven weeks. Uh, a lot of travel, and uh, but the guys have uh, managed to get through it. How do you uh, how do you do it in the rain? Do you use that cool astroturf on the uh, training ground fields? 
No, no, no. It, it's good enough. We're, we've we've taken it pretty easy on the pitch, so it's it's okay. We got through it today. Okay, so I was going to go a different way, but you brought up this this fixture, this schedule congestion that you've gone through. It's been kind of ridiculous the last six weeks or so. But now that we're on the other side of that, and you're looking at week off between matches moving forward after Philly. Uh, what are your assessments of how things went as you fixtured you 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 brought in Champions League and the congested MLS schedule in? Well, we've hung in there in the MLS. Um, I would say that, and and Concacaf has gone very well. So uh, this next week is tough because you, you kind of want to get guys away from each other uh, and away from me, but you also need that week for training um, because you don't get enough training sessions in during these stretches where you travel all the time. You know, you have half the team back or four guys back. You just never uh, can get really good training sessions. Um, so, you know, that's uh, a little bit of a dilemma. But, uh, again, I'll probably err on the side of, you know, giving them a day or two off. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. What what has been the toughest part of that? Has it been the lack of of getting the guys together as a group in training or having the guys together too much? Both, yeah. It's it, it, like it's it's both sides, right? You need these training sessions to work on some of the deficiencies. You need time to go over film work, uh, uh, you know. But again, when you're just when it's game after game after game, it's just tough to uh, do anything but get ready for the next game uh, and try to prepare for the next team uh, and make sure that everybody's physically fit and ready to go. I guess that's something that we don't think about as fans when we look at at professional sports franchises or teams is that when you have this schedule where you're playing every midweek and then on the weekend there there is you guys don't want to hang out with each other all the time you do need some time away from each other where you have downtime to, to spend with other people other than your teammates. Oh yeah, we're right on that edge right now. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, yeah, you just spend so much time with each other, and and then you go out and compete against each other every day. Uh, uh, so yeah, they're they're at that point. They need some time time away. You know, sometimes you have to do some fun stuff and make sure it's not always competitive, uh, and they can also step back and uh, enjoy playing with each other too at training sessions. And uh, sometimes you got to make the mood a little bit lighter. And but that's that's all management stuff. I know you had uh, CONCACAF Champions League this week. You, you've booked your passage into the quarterfinals. Uh, of course, you had two matches to do that, but how important was it now that it's in the past and you've, you've got the points that you needed? How important was it that you did handle your business at RFK so that this trip to Panama later on in the, or next month isn't, isn't vital? We didn't want to go down there uh, and, and have to get any result. Um, now, just saying that, you know, we we still we we want to go down there and and get the result because of the seeding. Um, you know, we want to go there and get another three points and put ourselves in a spot where uh, you know we're we're seated very high next year, uh, so that our opponent is um, obviously going to be a lower seed. Uh, I, you, I thought you were just going to say not a Mexican club. Yeah. I mean, in the, quarter, nice. in the quarterfinals, you'd like to avoid a Mexican team in the quarterfinals. I would absolutely like to avoid a Mexican team in the quarterfinals. Um, but, you know, if you do well in this tournament, you're going to have to uh, go through a Mexican side uh, regardless. And there's also a few other teams, in, you know, in, in Central America that, that you know, you, you probably wouldn't want to play right off the bat. But, uh, you know, 
it's uh, again that's part of the reason I think we'll we'll go down there with the the right mentality and hopefully get some points. What did you pull as a as a coach in your in your first time in this sort of competition? Uh, what are some of the things that you learned and took away as you head into next season and and the quarterfinal rounds where where the stakes get even higher? Good question. You know, I, I I go back to when I was playing on it and uh, or playing in it, and, and and I can always pull on that. Uh, it, it's a great competition that we respect. Um, you know, it, it's gotten better. I think it's gotten more organized. Uh, the refereeing's better. Uh, Concacaf is doing a better job with the travel and making sure when you go down to Jamaica, you play in the big stadium rather than uh, some field full of dirt. Uh, so there's been some a little bit of changes. Uh, but you know, again, it's it's different, right? I'm I'm coaching in it for the first time, uh, so I'm I'm learning uh, learning stuff. Uh, we we didn't have the toughest group, if if I'm completely honest. Uh, the Jamaican team uh, and Panamanian teams, it was a pretty good group for us. Uh, you know that that we were able to use our second team and uh, beat Jamaica twice or beat Jamaica once, and then put that group out last night and and still dominate. Uh, the, the Panamanian team says a little bit about depth, but it also talks about that, that the group was not that strong and, and we'll, we'll face better competition uh, moving forward. You talked about the depth and, you know, last year uh, you were able to put MLS aside and, and focus on a U.S. Open Cup run uh, based on results. So you were able to get a lot of your starters uh, U.S. Open Cup time last year. This year, a little bit different as you you were in a uh, uh, you are still in a dogfight in the Eastern Conference, but you still had to handle your business in CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, what did the guys on the on the maybe the, the reserves who were asked to play a major role in this campaign? What did they show you and who were some of the guys that you looked at and said, this guy might be able to help us in October, and November? I thought everybody had a, you know, a, a pretty good performance. Um, yesterday, if, again, if I'm honest, it was a tough game to judge because I didn't think the Panamanians came with um, the, the the right attitude, frankly. They, they just didn't have a, a lot of punch and whether that was travel. But if you go back to the Jamaica games, um, you know, we, we played a bunch of guys that uh, uh, we consistently use as depth, whether it's Lewis Neal, I thought Opari has done well, Joe Willis. Uh, has done his thing. Um, Estrada, I think, has put in good good minutes. Uh, the new guy, uh, Incum, has, has helped us out from an offensive standpoint. He's given us a few assists. A uh, guy named Chris Pontius has helped. That's nice. Uh, and, uh, and Eddie Johnson both have played big parts. Uh, you know, not that they're in a reserve role, but, uh, you know, they, they – they haven't been seeing a, a lot of minutes as of late, whether it's injuries or suspensions, and, and they've come in and helped out as well. Uh, so it's it's been a group effort to get through the CONCACAF stuff. It's it's always going to be, and it, it will be the same going into next year. As much as things broke wrong last year, you, you've said this year has been uh, 180 degrees in the other direction. I talked to Sebi Salazar last week on the show, and you know I even brought up things like injuries. You know, you have Chris Rolfe go down with an injury just as Chris Pontius starts to work his way back from injury. You have Taylor Kemp sent off uh, in Jamaica, not eligible for for the match against Panama at RFK, just as Chris Corp gets back healthy. I'm going to just contribute that to the Ben Olsen genius and not say this has been a luck kind of situation. Well, I mean, you you can you can say what it is. (laughs) Uh, You you could call it. I mean, to me, it's it's putting 
the, the, the fact that we have a Kemp and a Corp, um, the fact that we have a Chris and a Rolf, uh, you know, that shows that we have depth. And, and Dave Casper has, has done a good job of, of putting this team together and, and getting us the depth that we need. So if we do go down with some key pieces, uh, we've, we've got replacements. Uh, you know, keep in mind we've had Park out yep. uh, for, for large stretches, and we've had Steve Birnbaum come in. It's a draft pick. You know, there's, that's not luck. Um, you know, we, we knew that kid was uh, the real deal. Um, we knew Joe Willis is the real deal. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a good group. Uh, we, the timing uh, has, been, has been good with guys recovering from injuries. Uh, hopefully Rolf will come back uh, at some point. And then we got some real tough decisions to make, uh, at least in the uh, midfield and offensive uh, in the strikers. So those are good problems to have. Yeah, and that was going to be my next point, because if you look at a month from now or maybe even three three weeks from now, I was thinking that you've got to be kind of salivating at, at the options that you're going to have. But on the other side of that coin, you're also going to be having to tell guys who probably have earned starters minutes that you know you have to sit this one out because I've got something else going on in my head. That's going to be a juggling act for you. Yeah, it's it's not that's not a, a fun job to tell the guys that you know are used to starting and, and doing well uh, that they're going to be coming off the bench this game and helping us and you know that's again that goes down to management and uh, it's never guys players aren't going to be happy that's I'd be a little bit worried if they were um, but as long as they go about it in the right way they understand that uh, this is this is a business and that they need to be professional uh, we can all we can all coexist and, and still move forward with the with, with the right uh, <clears throat> with the right goals. So let me ask you this, and I would only ask you this because uh, because of our past and how much I know you, but how much does that, that contract give you as you walk in and tell some of these guys who are professionals and say to them, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to need you coming off the bench in this one, or I'm going to need you on the bench on this one. Does that, does that play any role into that? Um, I don't know. I, I, never, I never really thought about that too much as a player. You know? So that's the only way I could kind of answer that. Um, you know, if a coach called me in his office and told me something, whether or not he had a couple of years there or he was established, I would be still pissed off if I wasn't playing. <laughs> but you know, but I'd still go. Yeah, you know, I, I think that goes down to the individual and how um, they they handle positive or negative situations uh, more than than what the coach's contract situation is. So you've never um, you've never you've never come out of a meeting with a coach and it not go well and you just think to yourself that guy's not going to be here next year so I'm just going to put my head down and and when he's gone I'll I'll do what I got to do. I don't remember. I mean maybe maybe but I don't you know I didn't have too many meetings and I'm not <laughs> I'm not being where you know the coach is like listen you're not going to start. Um you know for this club, you know, if I was healthy, um, you know, I was usually playing, uh, which wasn't all the time as we know, uh, <laughs> but you know, if I was healthy, I was playing. I, I didn't have too many of those circumstances. And you got out before we got to that point where it was like, oh, does Benny still have it or not? You, you were, you were gone by then. Yeah. I, well, I think that was right on that cusp. <laughs> <laughs> I was on borrowed time. Let's say that. Um, one of the things that I think I feel like you you won't have a lot of of debate or discussion over as you're making out these starting 11s with a, with a full lineup or a fully rested lineup is the center of your midfield. We talked a lot about Perry Kitchen uh, just today. He was announced as part of MLS's 24 on a 24 well deserved honor. Thought he should be a little higher, but we'll put that aside. I want to talk about the other guy that I think is an automatic starter if he's healthy, and that's Davy. 
Davey Arnault, who when you brought him in, it was kind of like, oh, okay, another veteran leadership. You've talked extensively about what Bobby Boswell has brought to the club this season. Uh, talk to me a little about what Davey Arnault has, because under the radar, he's just been rock solid and, and one of the key players for the team this year. We are a different team without Davey. It's no, it's, that is uh, uh, as true a statement uh, as I can say. I mean, he has been phenomenal this year, uh, not only in the games, but the guy, just he just gets it. He gets what, what practice needs. Uh, he understands the mentality. He's great in the locker room. Uh, he's an upbeat guy uh, around the locker room. Uh, he's been great. He's been as, as key a piece as any of our pickups this year. Um, and I think he's helped Perry. Uh, so not only has he helped, he does his job on the field. Um, I think he made Perry a better player this year and, and vice versa. I think they both complement each other well. Did you know exactly what you were getting when you, you picked him up or was it? I didn't just know a- how good he would be. I, you know, I didn't know he'd, he'd be, have this type of influence. Um, you know, we all knew Davey's character was extremely high. We knew his leadership was high. We knew his quality was there. Um, and, and he he's uh, he was a, a starter in this league, but we, I didn't know that he'd have the the impact that he has had on this team. And the thing that the, that has surprised me, and only just based on age, has been his work rate. Even late in games, he's he's still the, when you see a guy a ball need to be tracked back for, he's the guy digging to get it. Yeah, well, that that didn't surprise. That doesn't surprise us. We we always knew we'd be getting that. Um, you know. Uh, that he did, he just doesn't know any other way. You know, he's just one of those guys that you, you put him. If he's on your team, he's going to give you everything he has, and he's going to play hurt, and he's going to lie, right? He's going <laughs> to lie through his teeth that that uh, you know he's okay and he's ready to play, and he'll he'll go through anything. Uh, he's just that type of guy. Uh, I just got off the phone with uh, Kurt Larson, who is covers TFC, and we were talking about the BMO Field renovations. And, uh, you know, I, I told him it rings a little hollow to me as, as they're telling me how wind-worn a stadium built in the mid-2000s is as I, as I truck down to RFK. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just I feel like some of these teams around the league, they're a little bit spoiled on the fact that they need, they need their new stadium in place already. I agree. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're pretty spoiled in general. I mean, they, they, uh, they're, they're training complexes. I haven't been, but apparently it's... Uh, as good as it, uh, they come in the world, uh, and now they'll, they'll they'll build their stadium. But they're also going to have football there. Is that yes, correct? Yes, yes, that's true. So there you go. <laughs> so there you go. The, and then the thing that I'm realizing is, as as your press conference is happening and they're announcing your new five year deal, congratulations on that. You. Uh, you know, fingers crossed. Maybe maybe you'll be in that new stadium uh, playing a role with DC United as it happens. Well, that was. Uh, I shouldn't be any surprised that that was part of. Negotiations. I mean, I want to. I want to be around for that. Uh, no matter what, no matter what happens in the next five years, I I, I want to be a part of this club when that goes up because uh, I understand what what it's going to mean uh, to to our fans in this community and what it what it means to me, frankly. I like that you said that was part of the negotiations, as if this the D.C. City Council decision on the new stadium would play a factor in your negotiations with the club. I like that. You've got that kind of right. pull, Ben. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I give it five years. I give it five years. That, that's built, ready to go. <laughs> hopefully, it's in, hopefully it's in three. Um, you know, you, you never know. But it's Jason's done a – I think he's done a heck of a job. 
and you know pushing this you know we're further than we ever have it it hasn't seemed like it doesn't seem like a, an easy process as we all know and have been following this uh but it seems like we're, we're he, he's he's really knocking the door down. We're almost there. I always have to ask Ben Olson, the uh, the fashionista of MLS coaches, a style question before I let you go. And uh, this one I've got to ask you is: wh- When do you decide to go tracksuit versus suit? You'll be disappointed in my answer. I I, I feel um, like I am, but I it always it feels so like I thought for sure. Uh, you're playing the Toro Panama, Panamanian team. We're, we're on the verge of clinching. RFK is not going to be rocking like it is for a, for a huge Red Bull match. You're going to go tracksuit. Turns out you go with the suit. Yeah. I just keep it. You, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I don't think about that much anymore, especially I, I, I had my third child. So, like, the, the fashion, the, it's, I'm done with that. The reason I don't on the road, I could tell you, hey, uh, it's a more blue-collar mentality go away. Okay. Um, it really has nothing to do with that either. It's more I just uh. don't feel like bringing a suit on the road. It's a pain in the ass. You don't feel like carrying that hanger over your shoulder as yeah. you, as you truck through the airports, especially as much as we've been traveling in the last six six weeks. I've just been like, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I've had it. I've had it. It's it's not about it's not about me. Okay, so what what I can, what we can bank on basically then is a rule of thumb for Ben Olsen. If yeah. it's if it's a road game, we we there's a good chance we're going to get the tracksuit. If it's a home yeah. game, he's probably going to bust out a suit because he'll he can go into his closet. That's fine with me. Okay. You know, Peck, Pecky rocks a nice outfit everywhere he goes. I'm just throwing it out I, there. I wouldn't call him nice, but oh, that's fine. <laughs> you know, uh, what, what is your problem? The the sweater with the patches no, no, or the no, or no. the open the opened uh, collar look? I, I've told him many times I'm tired of his sweater vest. <laughs> you should try to sw- out sweater vest him if you meet up in the playoffs. That would be nice. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> He's got too many. Uh, ben, man, great season. I always right, like bro. to talk to you when you're in a good mood, and this is one of those yeah. times. So good luck for the rest of the year, my friend. For more show information, go to pitchpass.com.